Welcome to episode 16 of the Camera Shake podcast, the podcast all about cameras, photography, videography, and everything that's got anything to do with any of that. Well, so we're back. Um, we had, well, we kind of had a week's break, but then, we, but then we didn't because we, um, we recorded a double episode two weeks ago. Yeah, which I'm still tired from. <laughs> yeah, we're still recovering. So yeah, so we had, um, we had a week's break because you went on holiday. I did. How did that go? I did. It was really good really really good um just down to devon for a week cool um so those of you who are not in the uk who may not be familiar with where devon is devon is down in the southwest of england and the weather was pretty good sticky but a couple of hot days couple of rainy days typical kind of weather yeah. although it's been sweltering hot up here as oh, i man. understand it which it is today and i am dying <laughs> and so in order to record this podcast we have to turn the fan off that's yeah, like it's, it's one of amazing. Those, yeah, it's one yeah. of those things. So, um, so for those of you who uh, are used to having like air conditioning in your homes, we don't really have that in the UK. So it's we get a we get a suffer, right? And you know, I had um, so um, it's a couple of friends of mine. They've got a a dog, and I got to spend an entire week with a dog. So I felt like you. Hey, yeah. cool. Well, so I'm getting the dog reference in before you do today. Well, you know, see, like I don't know if you you probably can't really see this, but I am covered in scratches and bites and and everything like everywhere from you know puppies in the biting face at the moment so the teething face it'll pass enjoy it while it lasts no, you'll well. miss it when it's gone <laughs> yeah it's like he's got these like uh, they call the zoomies where he like goes nuts for about half an hour or something mm -hmm. he goes totally crazy yeah and he just speeds around like a nutter and he bites everything and then he just flops down and is asleep for the next four hours Lucky so, him. Yeah. I wish we could do that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be nice. Cool. So um, so you spent a week in Devon. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Um, glad to be back, though. Mm. Glad to be back. Um, I want to get back into things again. You know, it's nice to relax for a week mm. and you know, nice to see some friends properly for, 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 for that time as well. But, um, you know, I want to get back working again mm. and as, as far as we can go anyway. So here's the thing. Did you take a camera? I did. Did you take a photo? Hold on, I, I took two cameras. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Ask me the second question again. <laughs> Did you take a photo? No. <laughs> Did the cameras get out of the bag? No, no, not once. Not once. That's terrible, isn't it? Oh, that's bad. Well, I used, to th I used to think that, but then, but now I kind of think like, you know, it's like, what's more important, you know, spending time with like friends and family or, you know, taking pictures. So. True, absolutely true. And it just didn't come up that I would take it you know because we'd be out doing things mm. day to day and I could, to be honest i couldn't really be bothered lugging mm. my camera around yeah so i took a few iphone shots and whatnot but everybody else was taking us well, yeah i'm more than happy with that yeah you know this it made me thinking actually today um today was the first day that the puppy could go outside so you know the way this works is like they have their vaccinations and you have to wait um, a certain amount of time before they're allowed to go outside. So today was the day, the very first day when Solo could actually leave the house and go for a walk. So today we took him on his very first walk mm -hmm. ever. You took and, the camera? Uh, well, no, I didn't. See, the thing is like, you know, I was like for the last few days or something, I've been thinking about different photos that I want to make and, um, and stuff like that. And then today we went out for this like five minute walk. Right, but it was Saul's first walk. And so my stepson said, I go, did you take a camera? You should really be filming this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I should. I should really be filming this. This is like, you know, it's like a family event, right? Mm -hmm. In a weird way. Um, 
and uh, and really all I had on me was my iPhone, and and that was perfectly cool. I'm surprised you didn't take the Fiji. Yeah, I mean, so so was I. Yeah, I was surprised about that. But but really, you know, in the heat of battle, you're more excited to take the dog out than worry about a, yeah, a exactly. Camera things, right? But the yeah, cool thing about this, that. yeah, but the cool thing about this though is, you know, once again, it's like one of these things where, like, you know, the best camera is the one that you have on you, you know. And in this case, it was it was just a phone, so it was great. And you know, I shot a few pictures. You know, I've got a few pictures of him goofing around the first time on his very first walk ever, and that's perfectly cool. It's a nice little memory. And uh, and actually, the photos turn out pretty cool. Um, sure. You know, yeah. So, so really, the phone was really all it took. You know, so it was really no mm -hmm. need. And mm -hmm. if you think about it, you know, had I taken the Fuji for this particular on this particular occasion, you know, you then you had to go through the whole shebang of like, you know, transferring the images onto your um, a computer and then editing them and blah 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 and yeah. uploading. So on the phone it was much you know much easier. Yeah. And and. I like to use the um, the Lightroom app on on iPhone to just do a quick edit. Yeah, um, and although I've been using that a lot lately, yeah, it's great. Say. It's awesome. I mean, it's perfect. It's pretty much, by and large, yeah, you know, the same functionality that you have um, yeah. in the, Lightroom. It's got all the main bits in there. It's that got, you, yeah, exactly. You'd expect right, yeah. and you know, obviously, still JPEGs and whatnot. There's only so far you can. Oh, you can take shoot. It you can shoot raw on iPhone. No? Have you got a fancy new iPhone, have you? No, 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 no. My iPhone is like an iPhone X. Um, you can shoot in the Lightroom app. You can shoot in RAW. Um, do you have to do that via the app? Do you? Yeah, you, yeah. Oh, exactly. I, yeah. I, that's new on me. Well, I don't know okay. if you have to, but you can. That's kind of how I've always done it. Wow. But then, um, but the one thing I have to say is that, to be brutally honest, is it RAW? RAW? It's not. You know, RAW isn't. Raw, if you know what I mean. It's mm -hmm. like it's not. It doesn't give you the same flexibility that you would have, like with a, you know, Nikon DNG raw sure, file or something like sure, or Canon or whatever. Sure. Um, so it is somewhat different. Um, and if I'm brutally honest, the, the kind of the editing, like the flexibility that the dynamic range that you get out of um, editing a JPEG on your phone is perfectly acceptable. No problem at all. Um, especially if you think about the kind of photos that you would take with your phone. Yeah. You know snapshots essentially, yeah. and then to run them through a quick edit, you can save your presets. Um, so you can even like make your own little LUTs almost, you know, make your own preset and save that, and then you can run it on, on your yeah. photos as yeah. a starting point or something. No problem. I mean, you can literally do you can edit a photo in like a minute flat or something, you know, especially yeah. when it comes to like, and you know, and I have to say, um, doing that in Lightroom on your phone is actually more intuitive. In many ways, especially if you're used to editing on Lightroom, um, it's more intuitive than um, using the built-in, you know, Apple Edit function menu thing mm -hmm. because the controls are just weird to me. Oh, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. So just much weird. prefer Lightroom version. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And it's you, when I'm editing them, I'm finding that if they're particularly if it's a daytime shot, mm. it's good as gold. You you can come up with some cracking stuff. Yeah. When it starts getting dusk and yeah. evening time and this is then to do with the camera on the iphone it's nothing to do with the lightroom app at all yeah but it's i don't get what i want from yeah it, i I'm, have to say i'm not too keen on the low light performance on those um at all but but you know i mean generally speaking like your average kind of snapshot you know um where you just you know you whip your camera out you take a picture and you kind of worry about pretty much anything and everything afterwards as in like you know the crop and everything else 
Um, I think it works perfectly fine. Absolutely. Especially if they're meant, you know, let's say for social media. Because, I mean, this is how this is how this sort of thing works. Like for me, and I'm sure it's the same for most people. You know, you take that kind of photo and then it goes straight up to Facebook mm-hmm. or Instagram, whatever it is. Um, so, you know, you take the photo, you make a quick edit, up it goes. Bang, you didn't have to move the file between different devices or anything. It's just super quick, awesome. Um, and of course, I mean, Photoshop, we talked about um, another kind of Photoshop app um, that allows you to kind of Cap- capture, yeah, to, to create Photoshop some, capture. yeah, to create some kind of you know cool kind of edits uh, very very quickly and sort of add some looks to your to your photos. There's a whole range of different things. Um, you can kind of you can go into like major depth when it comes to editing photos on your phone is concerned. Mm. From a purely from a practical point of view and a sim- you know a simplicity of use type perspective, I think. Lightroom just works really well. Yeah, uh, for me. Yeah. Just in the past, I've used a number of other, uh, number of different kind of apps um, to to edit. But I've just kind of, I've come to find Lightroom really a simple solution. Um, I mean, you can even do RGB curves on mm. on the app. You can. Yeah. Happy days. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's you do need great. your uh, Adobe subscription to use the Lightroom app, correct? Right. So yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I should add that um, that that's really you know as long as you have. Um, as long as you have the cheapest Adobe subscription package, which is the photography package, uh, which is like Photoshop and Lightroom, yeah, um, then you can use all the Photoshop and Lightroom apps. How much is that these days? Like is it about, twenty pounds? No, it's less than that. It's about ten. 12, it's like 10, ten pounds a month, or ten or twelve. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So totally worth it. I tell you what, that am I a fan of subscription models in general? I'm still. I have to say, I'm still slightly undecided on that. Mm. I. There's something that bugs me about it, and there's something I find quite good about it all uh-huh. at the same time. That aside, for ten or twelve pounds a month, Lightroom and Photoshop is a cracking deal. <coughs> yeah, it's funny, it's funny, isn't it? When you talk to people about subscription models in general, you kind of find that you really have like almost like two groups of people. You know, one group of people would say like, "Oh, the whole subscription idea stinks," and you know, if I buy something. I want to own the thing, you know, the, the software, like it used to be, you know, where you bought Photoshop and it was like freaking 2,000 pounds or whatever yeah, it was, right? it's yeah. incredibly expensive. Um, and then everything, there's an upgrade that comes out, you have to kind of pay again. And so, and then of course there's uh, this subscription model where you pay a monthly subscription and then therefore you get the latest updates as they come out. Mm-hmm. Um and so it just depends on what's I think what's more what's more valuable to you. You know, personally, I mean, you know, I'm not saying Photoshop, for instance, is the only software out there, uh, and I'm not even saying it's the best editing software out there. But what I'm saying is that it's definitely the most compatible software out there. Because this is the thing I think whenever you get into these discussions, not necessarily arguments, but these kind of discussions about which editing software is better than another, you know, it. Kind of very often, I mean, it boils down to, right, if you're just editing your photos and that's what you do, maybe it's your hobby or, you know, and you don't collaborate with anybody else, then you can pretty much use whatever you want, right? It doesn't make a difference because all that matters is the end result and how you got there, who cares, right? Whether you use Photoshop or whatever, or whether you use uh, Premiere Pro and video or, or... or Final Cut or Sony Vegas, or who yeah. who cares yeah. what it is, as long as the final, the final result is what it's supposed to be, right? Um, but as soon as you start working and collaborating with other people, 
compatibility becomes a real issue and it becomes Absolutely. really important. And, um, you know, and so, and that's where things like a, the Adobe Creator Suite comes in, whether it's Premiere or whatever, you know, um, it's, for instance, on a, on a very simple level, like for instance, you know, if we collaborate on thumbnails for YouTube videos, for example, you know, I can just send you the Photoshop file. You can mm -hmm. open it in Photoshop, bang, all the layers are there. Everything's there, easy. To, I'm sure there's probably another way of doing it, but it's just an easy way of doing it. Um, you know, and you can just make changes or use elements or whatever, and it's, it's all fine and no questions asked and it's done. Um, in, you know, from my perspective, like in, the, in my photo editing workflow, I bounce back and forth between Lightroom and Photoshop all the time, pretty much in every edit I do. Yeah. And yeah. so that workflow is so seamless that it really, it saves me a lot of time and hassle. Um, you know, you don't have to save a file and then open it in another software and then save it again. And then maybe even changing format because the other mm. app can't read that format or whatever mm -hmm. it is. It just gets way too complicated. I'm not saying it's not doable. I'm just saying it's more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. And if I think like, from a purely practical perspective, um, if you have to edit one photo, it may not necessarily matter that much. But if you, you know, if you have to edit 50, 100 headshots, you know, the, the moment you save just one minute per headshot, that quickly adds up to 100 minutes. And all of a sudden, you save yourself almost two hours of, of work just by making that one change. Totally. And that's when it becomes really, really important. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, so it's it's a matter of um, being compatible. You know, this this also, this is exactly the same point that I that I try to make to people when this whole PC versus Apple <laughs> discussion, you know, starts again. Again, you know, my attitude is like, I don't really care whether you've edited this on a PC or, or, or on a Mac. If you're happy doing what you do and do what you do, mm -hmm. I mean, who cares, right? Um, because I'm really just interested in the end result. Um, but if you work in an environment where everybody else uses one system, i.e., let's say if in the creative industry, let's say, let's say everybody else around you, uh, works on Mac, then you would be stupid not to work on Mac mm -hmm. because it'll just cut, it cuts you out or makes your ability to collaborate with everybody around you so much harder. Absolutely. So why wouldn't you? It makes no sense. You know, and yes, Macs are not as good for gaming. But that's not what we're doing here. We're editing stuff. Is it? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, if you want a game, then do whatever, right? I, I, and I never really appreciated that until I moved to Mac properly in mm. uh, 20, 2012. So it's, yeah, it's some, some time ago now. And I, I, won't, I won't look back. Unless something goes horribly wrong with Apple, which it could easily do. Well, I mean, you know, but the thing is, like, it still, you know, still stands that if everybody around you, like, uses um use the system and it allows you to collaborate with people um it's you know we're in a in a collaborative industry that's yeah. you know you always work More with say than ever right now right absolutely yeah because because the, the um your ability to transfer files is so much easier nowadays mm -hmm. you know even like large large files terabytes of data you know you can transfer relatively easy or like gigabytes of um you know files the size of like several mm -hmm. gigabytes it's easy to transfer it's not really it's not much of an issue. If you think about like how we were working um, over the summer, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago when we were doing the um, the box music um, summer concerts kind of right. thing. We're dealing with video files. 
I mean, only a few years ago, it would have been impossible to just simply transfer these files via the internet. You know, it would have been a case of like putting them onto a stick or some other some other device, yeah. right? And then physically moving that device from one place to the next or dropping stuff into some place. And it would have been just way too complicated. It would have never happened. And so in this instance, because we're now able to to transfer these kind of file sizes so much more easily, you know, we now have people sending stuff in via the internet and, you know, we're collaborating in the editing process. And even we've been collaborating cross-platform. Yeah, actually. Totally. Um, and, you know, all of that stuff's happening. It's because we're all able to easily collaborate. And it's it, that is becoming more important yeah. rather than less important. So, agree. you know, since we're all sort of interconnected in, in a way. Yeah. And, um, and in any creative process, you know, you do one thing and then you move data onto somebody else. So, you know, that is on a professional level for me, that's really important. So uh, if everybody else changes to PC, call me a lamb and yeah. I'll follow. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Because it's, it's actually going to make my life easier. But, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like I said earlier, I mean, it's just that, that age old you know, argument yeah. about what's better. It's like in my instance, I always said, like, I don't care what's better. It's like, I, all I care about is what works in my little environment. Totally. So I took, um, I took, I took my camera for a couple of reasons, actually. Mm -hmm. One is that I was intent on taking a landscape photo. Oh, right. Okay. To, <laughs> cool. you know, in light of our, you know, this month's competition, mm -hmm. uh, which we'll get onto a little bit later. Were you going to join the competition? No, yeah. I'm assuming in, in the rules we've got, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, employees may not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. So that was, that was one of my intent. Um, but my intent was actually that um, a good good friend of mine who, who, who came with me uh, down to Devon, Claire, she's been doing, she's a teacher and she's been doing a lot more video work at school over over lockdown and things mm -hmm. like that to, you know, to help teach her classes and, you know, for her, her teachers and whatnot. Um, but she's been getting also been more and more interested in photography, and you know, I was I was hoping that perhaps we'd find a point that we could you know you know take an hour or so and just take some photos, and perhaps I could pass on a little bit of mm. a little bit of knowledge to help her you know go out on her own, and you know perhaps even get a DSLR and start doing doing those kind of things. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't quite find the time. We're all mm. too busy, and you know you, you imagine what these weeks are like and you say oh let's go here let's go there so, mm. and it didn't quite pan out but one day i will pass on that some knowledge there for sure <laughs> <laughs> what else has been happening um oh uh, what else well i tell you what we've been um we've been doing our bit for the environment this this week because we've gone down to being a one car family wow yeah that's wow. what's been happening um yeah mainly you know mainly because this is one of the positive outcomes of the whole lockdown shebang is that we've realized that we really don't in all likelihood i should say disclaimer there i would think in all likelihood we probably won't need two cars mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. because um you know my wife works across the road so literally her commute is a 20 second walk you know i work a lot from home um, i don't really need to drive that much and whenever, you know, when, whenever uh, one of us needs the cars there. And so what we've realized is that we haven't actually really been using both cars. Right. You know, and 
And so, of course, then that begs the question is like, why burden yourself with two cars? Like, you know, why pay for two cars and, and everything else? So, um, so we kind of thought, and, you know, at the same time, we kind of thought like, you know, there may be occasions where, um, it would be useful. Like for instance, if, if I'm out or something and, you know, my wife needs to do the shopping or whatever, but actually, you know, you can take the bike to the superstore. Yeah. So, actually, you know, there are alternative alternatives to it and, you know, alternatives that are usually, you know, for the most part, more environmentally friendly mm. and mm. also save us a ton of money. So, absolutely. So we figured, you know, we're going to give this a shot. Um, and who, who knows? R- remind me, what time do we normally film this? podcast about midday <laughs> remind me what time is it now so much later <laughs> and remind me why is that that is because my <laughs> wife needed the car to pick up our daughter <laughs> but i'm joking i'm trying right. no that's true i mean you know i'm not saying there will be there will be moments where or there will be times where um where, you know, we will need to be able to, to, to uh, you know, we'll have to be mobile at the same time. But but here's the thing, like, even if there are occasions where, let's say, we have to pay for an Uber, let's say, or even if there are occasions where we might have to hire another car for a day or something, right, that's still going to be cheaper. Significantly Significantly cheaper, cheaper right. Then to, you know, then to to run two cars outright yeah. for the whole year. So, so yeah, there will be those moments. But the I think it's sort of a bit of an experiment where we're just trying to uh, work out whether we can actually do it. And, and the reality is that if we work out like in six months' time, if we figure out that it isn't working, then we can always get another car. So maybe can do it right. You're yeah. back to where you were. Exactly. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so um, but uh, but for now we've, we're down to one car family. And then the other thing I thought was because it was actually my wife's idea. And so we were talking about it originally in the context of... Isn't it always? It pretty much. Well, <laughs> I usually, I mean, I would say that usually when, you know, I come up with the stupid ideas, seeing that this is her idea, that made me think, I kind of thought, maybe this isn't a stupid idea. <laughs> you know? So I kind of thought, well, maybe I'll go along with it. Shh, don't tell her that. Although I say go along with it, um, I really, I, I quite like the idea from the, from the outset. Now, it's a smart move. Well, and so, you know, is. we also thought that because, like I said, you know, when, when we first started talking about it, we, we talked about it um, from sort of a, from an environmental point of view, right? Because mm-hmm. we kind of thought, like, eh, you know, we can do a little bit for the environment and maybe two cars, if we don't need them, that seems pointless. Um, and so we thought, like, okay, so if we reduce down to one car, then surely we really want to get a car that's actually environmentally friendlier than the cars that we've been running so mm-hmm. far. So we went down to, we decided to get a hybrid car. Um, which is at least in part electric. So, you know. So is that part petrol, part Fred Flintstone? Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Ground, yeah. <laughs> That's the assume. Yeah, yeah. Yabba Dabba Doo. Yeah. So Yabba Dabba Doo Drive. Yeah. <laughs> it works yeah. perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of, it's part electric. So what, what happens is um, it's got a battery. It's got an electric engine as well as a petrol engine. Yeah. And so what happens is um, as you, when you drive around, um, that will charge the electric engine mm-hmm. or the electric uh, the, the battery essentially so every time you brake that brake energy will will be used to charge up the battery and so over time the battery charges up and then what happens is if you're um doing less than whatever is 30 miles um per hour then it'll switch to electric and then you'll just drive on the electric battery power okay. and so 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 it, it constantly 
it, it, it constantly keeps changing between electric and, and petrol, but you don't realize it's doing that at all. Not a thing. I mean, you just don't know. Well, I mean, I heard your car for the first time earlier on today, mm. right? And I didn't even know you were driving. Oh, so um, No, sorry, I lie. I heard you coming because I heard your air con on. <laughs> yeah, right. But <laughs> as yeah. soon as you turn it off. Yeah, that's virtually no noise. It's, yeah. it's, um, that was the first thing I think, you know, for, for somebody who who has been driving a diesel truck before this, yeah. It's yeah. that was the first thing, like, you know, on the diesel, you, you turn the engine. And bear in mind, this is the same car, just a different type, you know, different mm. um, engine drive system, whatever. But with the, with the diesel engine, you turn the you turn the key, and there's like a shutter, and it's like there's vibrations, and there's the sound, you know, and there's no question that you've just turned on the engine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just you know, it's like a big old engine going. Um, and with this hybrid, you press a button, and you think nothing's happening. Mm. There's no noise, no engine, nothing, and then it just moves. <laughs> Toyota, it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> have, you, just, have you pushed pushed the accelerator yet? No, I can't hear anything. It's broken. Yeah. There's some weird magic going on there yeah. because you can hear sound and it just starts moving. It's great. So, yeah. um, so as a consequence, you know, we'll be using less petrol um, than we did before. So, you know, so that was a that's a, that a big change for us, really. You know, this week we'll see how that goes. That's good. Look forward to hearing about that in three six months. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I can't make it to the podcast today because uh, yeah. I don't have a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got the car again. Yeah. yeah, but you know, if you think like on top of that, you save a lot of money, man, and you know, because now all of a sudden you only need you, you only need to pay for one car insurance, yeah. you know, rather than two, and um, the road tax, the road tax zero probably as twenty pounds as opposed to one hundred ninety five on my own car. Just, just saying, mine's less than that, and it's just a diesel. It's just, just saying. Crazy. Just saying. How would you pay in road tax? Uh, I think mine's 20 as well. Really? Yeah, diesel. Just diesel. How does that work? Super cool. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, my road tax has... It's, has... Uh, it's five years old as well. It's 2015 Audi Estate, and it has this ad blue stuff ah. that goes in, which takes all the nastiness out of diesel. Is that... So that what comes out of the uh, exhaust isn't actually particularly pollutant is is that like um i think is that is that one of the engines wasn't it like vw stroke audi were like cheating on the emissions or something is that one of those don't i cut cut this cut i don't know you might might be able to get some money back i I don't know if that's true or not i don't know i don't know if that's one of these maybe it's one of those things where i always think like look man you know, VW have basically, they, you know, they've been busted, but I'm pretty damn sure that everybody's been on that. Like, everybody's been in at it. In some way or another. For, for sure. sure. 100%. No question. You know, so um, I think this, this you know, there, there's been a lot of, a lot of other car manufacturers that are, you know, either praying that they won't get discovered or found out or, or they've made changes to like secretly revert things. Course. You know, whatever's going on there. Of course, man. Anyway, so yeah, so that's um that's been um that's been a big change, the car thing. The other thing, I tell you what, that was that was actually really cool this week was or last week, um, was to fold a video chat. Yeah, yeah, I'm sad that I wasn't on it. Yeah, because you were happily sunning yourself was, in sunny Devon. Yeah, I think it was raining that day, just saying. <laughs> so um what we did 
this is this is actually uh, this is really quite interesting. I thought. Um, so normally we do the photo. Well, we started the whole photo video chat um, really as one of these things during you know when we were like in full on lockdown, and people were obviously not at work and they were at home and you know um, and a lot of uh, people that I knew were saying like oh you know I haven't I have been stuck at home and I don't know what to do I'm bored and I haven't had the camera out yeah. in weeks you know sometimes months and you know we're just talking about the different things that you could do. Um, at home with your camera when you can't shoot the things that you would normally shoot. Like, for instance, if you're into wildlife photography, you know, now it's your lockdown, you can't go out and you can't shoot wildlife. Um, or let's say you like shooting events or whatever, concerts, now you can't do that because there are no concerts. Um, and now you're sitting at home and you can't really work out, what, you know, what else to do. Mm-hmm. And so it really just started as a sort of a discussion group almost, you know, we're on Zoom, totally free, and people were just kind of Turning up, we're just having a talk about all different things that we that we come up with and ideas of stuff to do, um, and so that happened weekly. And now, and then, of course, we ended up talking about different, you know, different aspects of photography, and uh, we're talking about I don't know, some of the tech things and uh, lighting and different types of photo shoots and all sorts of different things to do with with cameras and whatever. Um, and now that's kind of, it's gotten, we've gotten to the point where, you know, things are starting to move again. People are going back to work. And of course, now a lot of people are not available during the day anymore because they're back in, mm-hmm. uh, back in work. And then we decided to move, to move the photo video chat to uh, an evening. And the week before last, we did a bit of a, I think it was like a, a Lightroom stroke Photoshop type of a thing where we were talking about a typical headshot edit and we're just taking people through yeah, the edit yeah, yeah. Just explaining how things work and that was really uh, really successful and a, a lot of people came back to us and said they really enjoyed that but i love that i learned some stuff on that yeah yeah i mean i, I like watching all, any of these things because um no matter what it is you never know everything there is to know about absolutely things not. like photoshop do things so. in slightly different yeah, ways absolutely. as well and you think oh that's slightly Oh, always. Yeah, and, and and often you know it's just a matter of like you're thinking like oh, why are you doing this, and then of course you, you go oh that's why he's doing it. Okay, cool. You know so, um, but one of the res- some of the responses that we had was was that it was it was awesome, but it was maybe a little uh, complicated and have a lot. You know, it seems like a lot of people needed to kind of go back to basics a little bit more, right. and so we decided to start like a um, a Photoshop back to basics series. So typically what would happen is uh, the, the photo video chat takes place every Thursday evening at half past seven. It's on Zoom. So you can um, find half seven UK time. UK time. Yes, mm-hmm. I should say that. British Standard Time. That's what it is, isn't it? Is it BST, BST right yeah, now? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right now? Yeah, I guess it is. I think it is. Yeah. Must be. So, um, so 7.30 p.m. British Standard UK time. <laughs> Just to cover all the, <laughs> cover it all. Um, but the, uh, you'll find the Zoom ID um, on our Facebook page. So you go to facebook.com forward slash camera shake podcast. Um, you'll, um, you'll see the uh, the Zoom ID there. And you can just join. And it really, um, this is really aimed at people who uh, either don't have a lot of knowledge of Photoshop and are just starting out, or maybe you know, people who um, are thinking about it. Because this was another thing that, that came up quite a lot. People are quite familiar with Lightroom and they mm. were thinking of sort of transitioning to Photoshop. But weren't really quite sure because actually, once you feel very familiar with one thing, then Photoshop seems such 
a confusing, huge new thing that it just seems off-putting almost. Um, and so by going back to basics, like literally really right back to basics, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a chance for people to just join in and learn about Photoshop really right from the beginning. I mean, what, you know, the thing we did last last week was like literally just like looking at the layout, you know, looking at the menus, looking at where the tools are, um, what all the different, like, you know, uh, all the different fields on the, on the screen yeah. do and how that works. So we weren't really going into anything too specific. It was just a general tour of Photoshop, you know. And, um, and so now from like week on week, we're going to be looking at different different techniques and it's really going to be um starting from sort of beginner level so you know we'll be looking at like how to remove things in photoshop for example you know like simple things mm. like that um but even though that it's going to be you know we might class it as beginner people i i forget stuff sure. all the time yeah, yeah for sure all the time and there are some I, I forget exactly what it was now but even in the the the, the prior weeks um face a video chat where I, where I was able to, I was still able to attend mm. and you were going through the portrait touch up. There's stuff right at the start where I thought, Oh God, of course. Yeah. <laughs> How well, could I forget that you could just hold alt and do that? You know, it's simple little yeah. things. Like you forget this stuff. Well, and also there's, there's, there's always like, you know, five different ways to do the same exact thing in Photoshop. Yeah. And then, you know, the question is always like, you know, do you need to know all of these different ways of doing the same thing or, um, or when do you use one thing and when would you use another thing yeah. and you know and why does it work in the way that it works so um or the way that it works so it's it's very it's useful sometimes even for people who are maybe intermediates or a little bit more advanced to go back to basics absolutely and uh, and just refresh on that so so really I mean although it's a it's a Photoshop back to basics kind of sequence of classes if you want to call it that um and it is definitely aimed at um you know beginner level Photoshop users, um, I think it's extremely useful for people who've been using Photoshop for a while. And, you know, I say this um, as somebody who's been using Photoshop literally since Photoshop 1 or 2, like since the late 90s. Mm. Um, mm. And on my whatever, it was like 486 <laughs> PC or whatever, right? Whatever. <laughs> um, it was at the time. But um, even like sometimes when I watch videos, like tutorial videos about Photoshop, I see things and I think, you know what? I never know. I've never, never known this. Yeah. Like I've been, and I, yeah. literally, I've been using Photoshop. Happens to me all the pretty time. Pretty much from the beginning. So, um, you know, it's. I, I honestly, I, I, I think it's so arrogant if you, you or I or anybody think, yeah, I, I know how to use Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever. <laughs> Trust me, you, you, you don't. And you forget so. so much. And there's so many different little new things that come in each time that they don't tell you about. Oh well, I mean, this is this is this is of course you know? the one thing. It's it's um, and I can, again I can say this because I've sort of almost like grown up with Photoshop. Um, if I compare Photoshop now to what it looked like in 1998 or whatever, oh. it's you know some of the tools that we would consider the most basic, basic, basic tools just weren't available back then. Yeah. They just didn't exist. Yeah, the magic wand, you know. Not that you would really want to use it, but you know, it's a simple it's a simple solution um, to fixing a problem in a very very simplistic one click right. kind of way. And in some instances, this may actually be exactly what you need to do. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But you know, in fact, I've used that a couple of times recently. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I use it all the time. Yeah, I mean, I say all the time, but I use it frequently for some very basic things yeah. when it's not that important to be accurate. Yeah. You know, is that? Absolutely. So every Thursday, 7.30 p.m., yeah. um, British, UK, standard time, yeah. whatever it is, um, on Zoom, uh, again, one more time, you know, you find the Zoom ID on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash camera shake podcast. And um, you can just join us there, you know, and learn about Photoshop. Although, as this airs on a Thursday, photo video chat would have actually ha already happened this week, so you need to move it, right? Yeah. So if you're listening to this on the day of release, this is very photo true. video chat will not be tonight. <laughs> That's very true. But it will be every Thursday moving forward again. Yes, so it will be. So under normal circumstances, um, it's every Thursday. Just make sure you check our Facebook page because uh, we'll announce it. So, yeah. <laughs> it's really that simple, I think, you know. Okay. Cool. Okay, so what else has what else been happening then? Um, nothing in particular with me, but I've, there's a few things I've been uh, reading about this week, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I've even got the uh, you know, iPad out. It's all fun. Oh, it's getting warm. That's not right, is it? Shouldn't get warm, should it? I don't know. It's uh, like the a... screen hasn't turned off for a while, but mm. there you go. Oh, good. Running out of battery. Um, real... Fast and simple one. Nikon finally have their webcam software sorted. Well, hey. We've mentioned it about all the other manufacturers. Yeah. We've finally mentioned it about them. A uh, couple of issues with it. Oh, immediately suspicious. One, <laughs> obviously it's only Windows. Oh, <laughs> God. However, however, they have confirmed Mac is on its way. Right. So that's a win. Mm. Um, not all cameras are supported. Okay. Um, your camera is not supported, I mm. believe, 750. Yeah. A um, couple of others as well. I don't know what the deal is there. I don't know why that's the case or why. I, I have no idea. I didn't mm. see any detail on that. However, I yeah. suspect it might end up being one of those that you get the software, try out your camera, and it'll probably end up working. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it's worth, it's worth checking out. Who knows? Is it free? Yeah, yeah oh, I, believe right, so. I believe so. Mm. Um, I believe so. Stand corrected, that's not accurate, but I, mm. my understanding was it was free. Um, and the other one was, and I haven't seen this mentioned on any of the other manufacturers' cameras, mm. but there's comments already that obviously live view ends up staying on, on your camera. Uh. And your cameras apparently get very, very hot when running this. Oh. But I find that hard to believe that it's any hotter than when you're using Live View to do video on these cameras. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Right? So I think that's a little misleading that that's an issue. But I mean, it's it... something to be be concerned, not concerned about, sorry, that's the wrong word. But something to note and yeah. to be aware of. And obviously your battery's mm. going to drain more because it's Live View on constantly, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. All to be expected, I think. Mm. I mean, you know, generally speaking, Filming in live view and having live view on for a long time, um, you know, cameras will get warm. Mm -hmm. uh, we know this because we actually have two Nikons filming us now and, and a Panasonic. And, and so the, and the thing is, you know, you can obviously tell that the cameras are getting warm. I, I, that's that's a million miles away from overheating, though. <laughs> I mean, agree. you know, and I'm wondering whether this whole chat about overheating is it's just kind of... It's sort of a reaction to all this chat about the Canon R5 and the R6 overheating, blah, and all that kind of, mm. do you know what I mean? I'm just mm. wondering whether it's like, 
just jumping on the bandwagon with that a little bit. Uh, it could be. You know. Yeah, fair comment. There's been a lot yeah. of overheating chat recently. This yeah. is why this makes me suspicious. And you're right. There is no particular reason as to why it should get any hotter doing that than than if you were filming in 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 live view. I mean, if you think about what's happening with with our cameras here, um, they're on. You know, the Nikon's basically have a 20 minute um, video uh, duration, or whatever you call it. That's just made me consider something, but I'll, mm. I'll let you finish. But of course, what happens is we don't use it like that. We we film a 20 minute segment then we press record again and we record another 20 minute segment. So, yeah. so our cameras don't rest and cool down in between, yeah. you know, after 20 minutes. So, you know, our cameras are, are on for a good hour and a half, usually mm-hmm. consistently. Yeah. And yeah, they get warm, but they don't, they're not it's overheated. Not, it's not hot. It's not hot, is it? It's not, not. Yeah, it's not. Even in this weather, we're what, 33, 34 degrees right now. Yeah. Probably hotter in this room. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if your screen's going green right now, then that's probably a sign that our camera's overheating. <laughs> so it's just like talking, you know, who knows? Yeah. No, but I mean, generally speaking, you know, it's, um, I'm, I'm never, I've really never been worried about. Um, Me either. I mean, certainly not. I mean, it's not. So, so what I was about to, about to say a second ago was that um, I do wonder whether using it as a webcam with live view on for twenty minutes, whether they're allowing it to stay on for longer as a webcam. Yeah. So there is zero break, perhaps. There's no, there's none of that twenty minutes stopping at any point. Mm. So, but you know, we're using it for an hour and a half permanently, and right. no issue. Two different cameras. You know, absolutely yeah. fine. I think it's misleading. Either way, the software's there finally. Right, cool. I, I don't, I don't see any issues with it really. It, I'm sure it works. Mm. I'm going to try it because um, I just use a. Um, oh, the brand escapes me. Web Logitech, Logitech. Oh yeah, I use a Logitech webcam normally. Right. Um, but I'd like, I'd love to use my DSLR as a webcam. That'd be great. Uh, would, it be you, any, would it be any better? Mm, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, just coming, you know, coming back to the discussion that we had, you know, some time ago, where do you remember we were talking? I mean, this this was like I don't know how many episodes ago. Where we were talking about um, about webcams in general, and I think you just gotten a new webcam, and we were talking about it. And I kind of, I kept thinking, well. Why would you want to buy another thing when I have a bag full of things yeah. that are supposed to be doing the same thing I right remember. here, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that you know the more functionality you can kind of cram into 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 a mirrorless camera, the the better, really, because you can use them in more ways. Yeah, you know, and and so um, I mean, with with the, the, with the, the, the difference, right? For me, right at the minute, is that I don't have this going connect my camera up and to, to jump on a quick zoom or, sure. or whatever it is that the, the, the Logitech just, it's, it's just sat there. It's permanently attached doing its function. And and that's the benefit It's convenience. Oh yeah. For me, yeah, yeah, more, for sure. that's all it is. Right? Yeah. And if you're on mm. zoom and you're doing web calls or whatever, all regularly, mm. then perhaps having a separate thing like that is, is, is warranted. Yeah. If you're not, and it's just once in a while, once a week, twice a week, then setting up your camera on, Something isn't a big deal. <clears throat> no, and I, I think you know. I mean, I'd probably say that I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't want to have like my studio camera set there, waiting for me to do Zoom calls on. Um, but for instance, something like you know my Fuji, 
yeah why not you know yeah um on one hand it would look cool on the desk <laughs> and on the other hand on the other hand um you could use it as a webcam sure why not no problem at all it's all about looks that's that's mm. yeah but it's also like it's also about kind of not having too much stuff like i'm already annoyed with my desk because there's like you know haven't you already just got it no, the desk itself is awesome. No, no, the desk itself is awesome. So um, for those of you who don't know, I, I've just been redesigning my uh, workspace at home. And so um, I turned this this slab of oak into a desk, which is awesome. It was great and all the rest of it. But um, I'm sort of, I'm annoyed with the amount of stuff that's on the desk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because... You have, you know, a laptop, and then you have a mouse and a mouse pad, and then uh, a graphics tablet and a pen thing, and then speakers and an audio interface, and all sorts of other shebang, like a loading, uh, like a um, charging thingy for your phone, you know, and all kind of jazz. So there's like a lot of stuff on your desk already, and really all I want is like just clear space. So you have another webcam on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know what I mean? So it's like. Um, for the, for the sake of uh, simplicity, for I don't know, you know, it's gonna. Uh, I think different things work for different people, probably. Totally. You know, um, I've been sort totally. of trying to declutter. I think that's yeah, that's been my mission. And I I, I don't disagree with you, <laughs> I uh, really because do. I mean you're generally much more decluttered than I am. <laughs> you know, I I, I, I sure. try to be. I'm getting yeah. more cluttered though. It's weird. That's oh, funny. So we're kind of equalizing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that our set is kind of in my room, oh. <laughs> running out of space. Right. Well, but I'm happy with that. Looks cool. Love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely um, it makes it makes life a little easier. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? If you remember, like back in the day when, back in the day, we're like 16 episodes in, but um, four from, months ago. Yeah, but if you think like when we first started this podcast, you know, it was literally um, a matter of like doing two complete setups. Because you'd have to set up here, I would have to set up at my Total place, pain. and then we'd have to, you know, transfer the files. There were large files as well. That's just linking back to the conversation we had earlier. Yeah. Um, because what would happen would be, we would film ourselves independent, like independently, um, and then, you know, I would take the files from my Nikon and then send them over to you, and you would edit them. Yeah. In your studio. So, um, so again, this wouldn't have been possible only a few years ago if you know if we'd had to like jump in the car and and like you know imagine th- that would it just would i don't imagine. think it would have happened do you know no. what i mean it so, was, it, we would have, you know that's it's too much work for what it's worth you know yeah and like, then it's, it would have been easy to say that then i think yeah and um, you know and of course at the height of the whole um coronavirus lockdown sort of thing you know you would have had to like get in the car and drive you know all the way down here uh, and exchange memory cards or whatever. And then, of course, at some point, you would have had to fuel up, and that would have meant you would have had to go to a gas station, fuel your car up, and pay and, and meet other people. And so, I mean, there would have been would have been more of a kerfuffle and possibly yeah. more of a risk than just doing it all online and yeah, emailing stuff. Absolutely. So, um, so, yeah. But things like iCloud and WeTransfer and FileMail and yeah. all, all of those kind of, I'm sure there's many other services out there, but uh, God, hasn't it made our life easy? Oh, for sure. I mean, FileMail is what we used to use you know, know. For, for the video files. But isn't great. it also amazing how quickly you get used to those, like, convenience? Uh-huh. 
it then becomes inconvenient when there's something else you want to do. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible, but it's true. Yeah, totally true. And actually, um, those were those were the exact thoughts that I had when um, when my wife and I first started talking about getting rid of one car. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it's a matter of convenience. And it's amazing once you have two cars. I mean, you know, when, you know, I remember the times when, you know, you don't have that much money and they just affording one car was a luxury, you know, let alone two. Do you know what I mean? And then, of course, once you're in a position where you, where you can afford to run two cars and, you know, all the rest of it, you kind of, you, you get so used to that so quickly mm-hmm. that it's, you know, when you first come across the thought of reducing the number of cars you run, you kind of you think like, "Oh, but it's going to be so inconvenient," and blah blah. blah. And and really, it's really not actually. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all perfectly doable. Apart from today, just, just, just <laughs> yeah, apart from today, <clears throat> just yeah. under normal circumstances. <laughs> but then again, you know, if you think about that, then you know, we you know made other arrangements, and it all worked out in the end. And so, and that's that's going to be more necessary, of course. You know, the arrangements sure. will have to be made. But then, arrangements can be made. It's not a problem. It's a, you know, is it really that more that much more inconvenient? Well, not really. You know, it's sometimes you have to change plans because you're less. Of course, you're less independent. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. Um, but then there are people who don't have a car at all. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like um, I didn't have a car for the longest time. I I didn't learn to drive until I was in my in my twenties. And really, okay, yeah, and I was gigging already. You know, I was, mm. I've been gigging solidly since I was like sixteen. So how old how old were you when you first learned to drive? Twenty. Uh, I was like twenty five. No, right, okay. Uh, wait, twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah, still not so bad. it's it's not that late, but it's, mm. it, at the time it was cons- it was certainly considered very late. Mm. And I managed it because I was very fortunate to have, you know, friends who did drive and that they would, you know, would collect me for gigs yeah. and things like that. Very, very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. But if I didn't have that, God, I wouldn't be able to do what I was doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, this is the one thing that does uh, often struck me in this country in particular is um, is sometimes how late people learn to drive. And this is like no no criticism or anything. It's just an observation. Sure, sure. Um, and because I know a lot, a lot of my friends... Uh, and my wife actually, you know, didn't learn how to, how to drive until they were like in the late twenties, you know, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, you know, thirty, whatever. And um, and that's always, in, in a sense, it's always felt weird to me because mm. where I'm from, you know, when you hit eighteen, you, you got to get a car. I mean, that's like no, first of all, it's like it's a complete. Um, sign of independence. Is it supposed right? to be a BMW as well? <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> any car, man, any rusty old thing that, you, that has wheels and drives, it's fine, whatever. Um, but yeah. There's 180 down the autobahn. It's no speed limit, my friend. <laughs> of course. I know, I know. I know. We're well, saying 180. Come on. Let's not slow us down right there. Um, no, but if, you know, uh, but the, the reality is, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I wish. I wish I could have afforded a car that would do 180 years. It's like not going to happen. No, but, um, you know, it was one of these things where, and and also the other thing is, of course, I mean, now, you know, we're in a London area or in the greater London area. So there's a, there's plenty of public transport options around and it's easy to 
to yeah. move around by tube and, sure. and on buses and whatever. You know, and it, where where I grew up in the south of Germany, man, you're in the vineyard. There's freaking nothing going on. Yeah, like yeah. you consider yourself lucky if there's a bus, right? But the distances are such that you know, unless your parents take you everywhere, you just can't get anywhere because you'd be walking for three days. You know, so um, you had to have a car, and and so it became more of a sort of a symbol of independence. Um, that at the age of eighteen, when you hit eighteen, because it's the it's the law, the legal you know driving age was 18. So once you hit 17 and a half, bang, you're doing driving lessons. No mm-hmm. questions asked. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then by 18, you're you're driving. And it's not it's not necessary that you could afford to buy your own car. It was more like you then, you know, you can use your, your parents' car mm-hmm. to drive or something. Yeah. Yeah. And um and that was that was the thing. But um I remember like, you know, growing up, it was pretty much unheard of that somebody would do their license in the, the mid twenties. It was just not it was just not something that people did, but again, that was different circumstances, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, still, still to this day, it's like you know, when, when I when I speak to friends and they're like, you know, I didn't learn, learn how to drive until um, I was like thirty two or something, and like, oh wow, okay, how did you get around? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, totally forgot what we were talking about originally. Nikon's <laughs> webcam. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. So so far on this podcast, we've talked about. Some this photography. photography. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's how it goes. Right, come on, talk to me. What have you heard uh, this past week? Okay, so there was one funny thing I came across. Uh, this this week wasn't necessarily great for photo news. Okay, um, but there was one funny thing I came across. So you know. You know how um, sometimes like scientists or biologists set up wildlife cameras in a tree or something somewhere in yeah, the yeah. forest yeah. Um, because they're hoping to uh, to catch certain animals, not catch certain animals, but take you know take photos of, of particular animals, maybe rare animals or animals that they're tracking or something like that. So, you know, those, those people who <laughs> want to take late night wildlife photography but can't be bothered to stay yeah i'm joking more i'm like, so joking more like, more like <laughs> scientists i'm talking about scientific research right i'm so joking and Go so on. um so in the u.s um the, there was this um this this incident which which i read about um whereby so these uh, biologists i think set up um set up a camera um overlooking like in the middle of a forest i can only guess it's probably somewhere in the pacific northeast I'm guessing because it didn't actually specify it in the in the article, but they were looking. They were, uh, I think, they were trying to track bobcats. Okay, right. Okay. Um. So they they set up this camera in a tree, and it was sort of overlooking this um, tree trunk, and they were hoping it's like a motion sensor sort of thing. So they were hoping to uh, to to catch some, some bobcats, and then they did when they were checking the photos. Only when they were checking the files. There was one photo of some random dude doing poses. <laughs> <laughs> and I never found out who that guy was. It was just some random dude. No way. Oh man, it was hilarious. So I kind of thought that was that was a funny story. Um uh, so how was he triggering that and being able to pose? It was just I think it was just it must have been just Is it triggered then time delay and then I don't know. He was just like they've just found these photos of this guy. That's amazing. Just you know, sitting on a like lying down on the on a tree trunk just doing funny faces. Oh, it was just it was hilarious. But I mean what what really um made me laugh is the fact that they still haven't been able to figure out who he was. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so it's like 
just imagine you're expecting like uh, if that's made photo news then s- someone's gonna know who it is oh to, it would be funny i mean we should we definitely will put that article on facebook of course yeah. and we'll feature the photo even oh for sure um so if anybody if anybody knows or or you know if anybody recognizes themselves wouldn't it be hilarious that out of the 30 people that <laughs> <laughs> that listen to this podcast. He's one of them. He's one of them. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wicked. Um, wow. So that would be funny. But anyway, so that was a, that was um that was one of the funny fun stories Love I came that. across this week. Love that. Yeah, uh, it's fun. So something I did read um, last last few days was um, about shooting locations, and the reason I started reading it was related to um, the Ferrari shoot that we did a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously we had to scout out some locations. And the article I read was about um, you know, a few tips on what to do and what to look for when you're scouting out a shooting location. Okay. Which is cool. Cool. And I thought, you know, I'd share just some of the detail from that article I read. And we'll we'll link to that in uh, in the show notes and in the description on on YouTube mm-hmm. as well. And so I thought I'd just, you know, I'd just run through a couple of those bits. So um, the first one that they mention in in this article was around understanding the uh, lights location. Mm-hmm. So where is the sun in that location? So, and it wasn't necessarily directing you to go and find a location where the light is always going to work for you. Mm-hmm. It's more about making if the location seems to be right making the light at the right time of day work for you mm-hmm. so understanding you know so the example they gave was take you know take fashion you know you might look at doing wider shots where the sun and the lighting is really important mm-hmm. earlier in the morning later at night where it's it's not above our heads you might look at doing closer shots and you know tighter shots you know headshots whatever it might be in maybe slightly different areas during mm. the day where the light's more harsh. Yeah. Seems like common sense, but perhaps isn't in the forefront of your mind when you're looking at uh, a location yeah, for most people. Um, you know, and then then also consider how the light will change during the day. So n- now, this is the luxury that some pros will absolutely have. They can be all day at a location or have someone else be all day at a location. Mm. Um, not everybody's going to have that kind of luxury, but have someone there who can shoot quickly at 7 a.m., midday, 4 p.m., mm-hmm. 7 p.m., 9 p.m., whatever, depending on the time of the year, mm. what that location looks like. Mm. How that sun moves across that location, depending on where the trees are, depending on where the buildings are, everything is going to change as that sun moves. Right. So if you see that between this hour and this hour, actually it's a significant change, but between this hour and this hour, there's not much change. Yeah. That might be the hour that you go for. Oh, okay. Little things like that. Yeah. Little things like that. So things around lighting. Second was, you know, as you're looking around the location, plan your gear. Uh, are there tall buildings or dense trees knocking around? Perhaps um, you might want reflectors. Are you going to need flags? Hmm. Probably if you're outside. Um, are you going to have wind to contend with? Is there yeah. sand knocking about? Is it a beach type location? Is there dirt and dust that's going to be flying up? Into depends what you're shooting. It may be relevant. It may not. If you're shooting a model, it could be very, very relevant. Hmm. 
Um, so, so things about your gear are going to be relevant. Are there going to be things that are going to reflect? Um, let's take um, the Ferrari example. We've, we found that, um, that we didn't necessarily notice as much on the day, but in post you mm. saw that actually the reflections from the trees were quite significant and took a little more work than yeah. you'd have liked to make it to make it work. So making sure that the right flags, you know, black cloth is on the ground if there's other stuff to, you know, bounce off. And- yeah, I mean, in that, in that case, that's that's the thing. I think um, we on that particular shoot, we could have we could have done with like you know at least one, it's a big scrim or something, exactly. just like as a diffuser. Um, yeah, that was that was definitely something that wasn't uh, very noticeable on the day. Yeah, I mean, it's not not that I, I would have not, I just didn't notice it on yeah, the day. Absolutely. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean. <clears throat> Shooting in a forest on a relatively sunny day, because it was a sunny day actually, it, was, it, was, it wasn't yeah. particularly overcast. Um, that's much trickier than you might think mm-hmm. because of that. It's just because you've got direct sunlight coming through the leaves, and so you have these, you know, these splatters of of sunlight all over the place. It's, it's just tricky to. And if you're taking a snapshot. Keyword being snapshot, mm. actually that might be great and look fantastic. Yeah, kind of, you know, yeah, exactly. But that's, that's not what we were after. And that's also yeah. not what we wanted. No, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, and I think the, the thing with that is, um, depend depending on what it is that you're shooting. Like for instance, if you're shooting a portrait, you know, in the middle of the woods on a day like that, um, these kind of reflections, well, not reflections, but these, you know, these kind of light splatters, if you want, might look great on the dress, but you certainly don't you don't want to have them on the on somebody's face, for example. Absolutely. You know, and so. Um, so you need to kind of adjust for that. <clears throat> that's definitely yeah. definitely the case. I mean, it just wasn't a thing at the time. That's the one necessary. It wasn't really a mistake. It was an oversight, I think, uh, as far as that particular shoot was concerned. It was just that we didn't take into consideration really the reflective surface of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was highly reflective. It turns out, right? Yeah, well, it, it was, was, yeah. <clears throat> you know, in relation to the the location that we were using. Yeah, but that, that was yeah. that was the thing. But you know, it's one of these things where. Uh, you know, again, we talked about this before, but uh, so you know, after the shoot, it's important to to just go over the whole thing and basically look at everything that's gone well, everything that hasn't gone well, and you know, and sort of and just do a bit of a recap, and then learn from that mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And so the next time you're in a similar situation, you can basically go like, okay, well, I need this one. and then the other, and. Um, and it might just make you more aware of yeah. what could potentially happen. Um, every shoot's a learning experience. And in order to get better at what you do, you just have to go through these kind of learning experiences. I think that's really, really important. And actually, it's important in any creative craft, photography being yeah. one of them. Um, you know, how do you get better at performing on stage if you're a musician? You can watch every single YouTube video there is about how to be a good performer. Ultimately, you just got to hit the, the the stage. You just have to hit the boards and just do mm-hmm. it over and over and over again. And that's how you eventually get better. I mean, there's no, yeah. you know, there's no two ways about that. So photography is really no different in that respect. Um, and you just have to put yourself into situations that aren't necessarily ideal. Um, that strikes me very often. Um, you know, that transition from shooting in a studio type location where you control everything to being on location 
where you don't necessarily have control over everything around you. Right. You try, you try and exert some kind of control over things with things like flags and scrims and everything else. But of course, there's a limit to what you can actually do. You know, once you're in a location, you're in a location, you're kind of at the mercy of certain elements. Um, and that's very different from being a studio. And literally, because the way I like to personally start in a, in a studio is by literally having just a black frame, nothing visible on a frame, and then you just build your image with different lights and different mm -hmm. um, diffusers and light modifiers mm -hmm. and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, until you have, until you have the, until you crafted the image that you want, um, and again, that's very, very different because that's ultimately that's that's total control over your image. Yeah, you know, um, whilst when you're on, lo on location, you really don't have that. Um, and then I think at the opposite of the spectrum are people who stand out by shooting uh, in natural light, and then then move into controlling the light to some degree in the studio, you know, because you, you have that a lot of people, um, you know, start their journey in photography by just shooting in, in yeah, natural light. And I sure. think more often than not, it's really true. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and then, then of course it can seem scary now to have to control the light and you know, you know, cause you don't know, uh, you don't know anything about lighting ratios and all that mm -hmm. kind of jazz. And, you know, ultimately I think, in the long run, you probably get to the point where you realize that it's like many things. You learn all that stuff and then you forget it all. And then you basically just, you craft the image that you want to see and you just use lights and, you know, and modifiers as your tools to actually create the image that you yeah. want to create. So that's the thing where you're not really leaving anything to chance. You basically have this, this idea in your head and you think like, well, this is what I want to achieve. And then you use the tools that you have to achieve that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to, you know, more or lesser extent of accuracy, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. You know, because sometimes I often find that, you know, you start out with an idea, you start out setting up lights, and then actually something happens and you kind of go, oh, that's actually much cooler than what I had in mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then it takes you down this path. And that's like, that's a bit like improvising a guitar solo, I think. Yeah. You know, where you start playing yeah. and then it takes you down the rabbit hole. Um, but anyway, but so the difference is there, you, you literally, you start with um, virtually no visible light and then you start building it up. So, but anyway, so back to the location thing. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, and then nights generally about the location, you know, is it accessible? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a big one. Yeah. Can you get your gear there? Can you get any people that you're working with there? Can you get your models there if you've got models in your shoot? Um, if you do have models in your shoot, isn't it appropriate place to do hair and makeup and things like that? Mm. Um, does the hair and makeup have to be done in advance? Are they going to make it to the shoot with it still intact? I don't know. It depend, depends what needs to be done. Mm. Things like that are worth considering. So right? Accessibility, actually, I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, so just as an example... Um, I was scouting out a location the other day for a, for a potential client. It was actually through mm -hmm. an agency. And um, they wanted a very specific type of location. And I kind of figured, I sort of thought, I know the, I know the exact place. Um, it's an old derelict um, former factory type of a thing. And it's a great location. It looks great. There's some graffiti there and, um, you know, bare concrete walls and all the rest of it. And it'll, it'll look great in the photo shoot. But access is an is an issue, 
and I'm not actually even sure whether I can get all the gear that I need to no. that location. Yeah. So that could be, you know, the deal breaker yeah. on that one. So. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, so, I mean, it was just, well, just to say, is it a, is it a trek? Is everyone actually going to be exhausted by the time they get there? Mm. People are tired and they've been walking for a, half an hour or an hour just to get to this particular location <laughs> is it what is it worth it are you actually going to end up with a worse shot even if you think the location is slightly better than i want to set else? up a photoshop a uh, photoshop a photo shoot on machu picchu <laughs> <laughs> yeah i won't i won't make it <laughs> um other little things like you know is there parking nearby mm. um are there going to be other people milling around you know is there going to be crowds of people there you know worth considering is there i go back to sand again because it's a pain is there is it sandy is the what's the temperature like there um another one is the area restricted in any way mm. i'll come on to that as a separate point in a minute mm. um and the most basic of all things is there a restroom nearby <laughs> yeah huh you're gonna be there all day yeah sure someone's gonna need to go <laughs> <laughs> did anybody pack plastic bottles well come on. exactly <laughs> exactly um and then, what the next point that they they raise is: Does the location actually match the story that you're trying to tell in that photo? Yeah, big point. And you know that's that can be easier said than done. It's very obviously very very creative. But um, things that they talk about is perhaps your client has had other shoots done previously, mm-hmm. and what you might find is with perhaps more, probably more bigger clients than anyone else is that they've had similar locations used previously. Mm. What have they had in the background of those photos? You know, is it? I, I, I don't know. Is it? Is it hair product? Is it, I, I don't know. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, sure. But does the location? Is it relevant mm. to what the story your client's trying to tell? Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Check it out. And something which I definitely have not done before, which was a very cool idea. Um, I don't. I, I don't know if you've done something like this before, Kirsten, but. Um, is get something called a mood board from the client. Yeah, sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And that is simply, for in, in case you aren't aware what a mood board is, is that is simply getting, you know, photos, pictures of things that they envisage. They can imagine what mm-hmm. the photo might look like. It might be pictures of brick walls. It might be pictures of fences, furniture, it might just be a color pattern from a Dulux catalog, you know, it, mm. it, stuff like that. Yeah. It might be textures of fabric. It might be textures of plants or mm. whatever it might be. Things that they see. I want these kind of ideas in this photo. It doesn't mean you use all of those ideas. Mm. It doesn't mean you use any of them. Yeah. But it gives you an indication as to what that client is thinking. And that can be nothing but a good thing. Yeah, that's very often that's really important. Um, and uh, I use I Pinterest for that. Right. Um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's uh, that does happen. Um, it does happen quite quite regularly, actually, when um, a client has an idea but can't communicate that idea necessarily that well. Uh, so sometimes a mood board is is actually a really easy way around that mm-hmm. because you just you know uh, occasionally yeah there are occasions where it's pretty cut and dry and it's, it's super easy and and also of course there are occasions where as a photographer you bring the creative ideas forward um so uh, you know as an example uh for instance somebody says uh you know i need some headshots for my linkedin profile mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you're not really going to get them to put a mood board together of like lots right. of linkedin 
headshots. You know what I mean? Um, but what you do is as a, as a as a as a photographer, you give them like a number of different options of different looks, perhaps, and then you know they can either pick some of those or you talk it through and you get a good idea as to what they like. Because that's very often that's, that's very important. It really depends on what they like and whether they um, what kind of business they're in. You know what sort of thing they're doing. It's like the old example. You know, somebody who's uh, in a profession where they are very uh, people facing and, and mm-hmm. friendly and you mm-hmm. know open that's a very different type of headshot from a divorce lawyer right right you know or like some hard-hitting i don't know stockbroker or somebody who's like right you know right on the money type of sincere serious type of you know type of job if you want so these are very you know very different uh, very different people that work in different uh, areas and and so therefore their headshots can look very different this is just a simple example so um, really it's that's where user photographer really come forward with the, the, mm-hmm. the sort of art direction as it were yeah, um, yeah. but mood boards are really super super useful and like I said your Pinterest is great for that absolutely super I, lo- I love it I love it. absolutely love the idea of it and you know because there are so many generic words out there you know they mm-hmm. might say rustic no, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that can mean a thousand things to a thousand different people, and just a little clip of something that they think is in their head mm. just helps wonders, right? And it helps you then, as the photographer, to get the right direction to go to the right right location. Yeah, and it also works the other way around. You know, for instance, where you use a photographer mm. and put together a mood board, you kind of say, sure. to the "This is what I've had in mind," and you can adjust a little bit. Yeah. So it works either way. Yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's. It's a very useful way of yeah. working for sure. It's cool, man. I'm definitely going to start using that more now. Mm. So the next point that they're going to is, and this is going back to permits and things like that, and that is get permission. Mm-hmm. And there are three primary kind of areas you might end up falling into, um, or, or four, I guess, is one, residential, two, commercial, uh, three, government kind of related areas, or an area which is just needs absolutely nothing you don't even have to worry about it mm. so we'll leave the last one because that's just kind of irrelevant um so the first one residential you may like to look at someone's house mm-hmm. their property their garden the grounds that they have and you think god that would be perfect <laughs> don't just go and shoot on it who are your clients that they have grounds they've grounds <laughs> they've got grounds <laughs> grounds but the chances are right you just go <clears throat> up to them knock on their door mm. say hey i'm I'm Nick. I'm Kirsten. I I really love to do a photo shoot on your your garden, and if you talk them through yeah. it, the chances are they're going to go, yeah, okay. Do you know a show called Outnumbered? I I do. I haven't seen it though. Right. Okay. So my 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 um, nine year old daughter was completely obsessed with Outnumbered. It's basically okay. it's a TV show over here over here in Britain. Um, that's uh, that's uh, based around this family, like two kids and. It's like family life, and it's kind of it's like a comedy type of thing. And it's, what's cool about it is partially in, improvised because the um, they have two really young kids okay. in the first series, and they grow up over I think is it like six series or something, whatever. It is. Um, but especially when they when the kids are younger, um, they don't they didn't give them lines. They basically just explained the kind of the situation to them, and then they they would they really improvise, and the and the the main actors would react right. And so it had this kind of this feel. Uh, of being really natural, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it was filmed in an actual house. It was somebody's house, right, in West London somewhere. And so what they did was the production company was 
they they basically so they rented the house next door and this is where the staff and the crew would kind of chill out and get changed and have makeup okay. and all that kind of stuff okay. and then the 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 other house was basically used as the filming location and there were people living there and for the duration of however long the filming of of season one would last they would literally move out but it's like everything you see in the what looks like a set is actually just some somebody's love house that. and it's just you know the fridge is somebody's fridge love that. <laughs> love that but um but yeah so um that's a really good example for um you're shooting like on literally that's cool in somebody's house very yeah. very cool yeah it's, uh, it's interesting so um and it was like i think it was a fictional part of london and they made up okay but uh I mean, I'm sure with something like that, I'm sure they're getting compensated in a a, a significant, sure. you know, more significant way. But I think for, you know, yeah. wasn't the Harry Potter house, somebody's house? I think that was, wasn't Maybe. that an actual house? Maybe. I mean, there's loads of stuff filmed in Oxford. Uh, which house in Harry Potter? Like, you know, the original Harry Potter house where he lived as a kid, where he lived under the stairs. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was somebody's house. And it was like yeah. they just renamed they renamed the road. The road and whatnot, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sure it was. Was yeah. it called Pivot Drive or something? Is that what it is? Oh, you're clearly I, I a bigger Harry Potter fan than I am. Oh, not really. <laughs> I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm saying I have kids and a wife who's a <laughs> Harry Potter nun. <laughs> so residential, obviously, just knock on the door and just ask them, get a release form, you know, and say, yeah. hey, I've, that's cool. No worries. Done. Commercial, I guess you can break that down into two areas. One being a smaller business. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, one or two, three, ten people kind of mm. business, and then you've got your bigger ones. The bigger commercial areas uh, or commercial businesses, sorry, they'll probably have a process in place that you need to talk to them yeah. about and go through. That's one thing. But smaller businesses, coffee shops, hairdressers, mm -hmm. anything on the high street, you know, anyone like that are a small business. Mm. And chances are, do, well, first of all, definitely do not just shoot outside <laughs> their storefront without yeah, talking no. to them first. For sure. Yeah. Um, secondly, if you do talk to them and you want to use that as a location, they will 99.9% .9 say yes, unless they are so super busy that they can't afford the space. And the reason yeah. they're going to do it is because they're going to get some promotion out of it as well. Well, and also like, you know, nine times out of 10, whenever I've been in this situation, they'll actually give you, because they have the local knowledge, you yeah, know, they're there all the time. Yeah. And they'll basically tell you exactly like, um, you know, this would be a good time and this would be a bad time because this is happening now or something else happening. Precisely. Um, and uh, so do you remember we had we had an issue one time where we were shooting, we're doing a project for a tattoo, mm -hmm. uh, tattoo parlor shop, tattoo shop. Yeah. And it was a bit of an alleyway. Um, and we oh. were filming some stuff outside, do you remember? Yeah, I do. And, uh, and so that was... Yeah. So uh, huh. th there were there were some issues um, because some of the neighboring shops had concerns about access. I think it was was that what it was? I think it was there. Yeah, that's exactly. What um, it was. And so that was that just took it really just took some conversations to mm. sort it out in the end. You know, so um, so that that's a really good example. There's another example actually where um, I found a location which I, I was thinking about for another car shoot. In fact. Um, and it's just outside. It's like a yard in front of uh, a wood recycling center type of thing. Okay. And it's just, I like the yard area because it's quite, it looks it kind of run, run down and very dirty and like stuff falling off the walls and stuff. But it's like, 
it's a really cool location to to shoot something in. And so I had a quick chat with the recycling center, oh, the guy who runs that, and they were to totally happy for that to happen. Now, obviously, you don't want to do that during business hours because, uh, well, this, you have customers turn up mm -hmm. and whatnot. But then you also don't necessarily want to just rock up after hours and start shooting there because, you know, somebody might call the cops on you, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So and you don't want to be, you know, you don't want that to happen. So um, so just a quick chat uh, with the guys who run that recycling center. You know, it turns out their particular days when it's really, you know, it's no problem and they're not open on a whatever Sunday or something. And, it's, you know, uh, it's quite easily facilitated. So it's, you know, conversations are sometimes all that it, all that it takes. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, um, and, and a good point this article made was about, you know, some of these smaller businesses, particularly if you're inside as well, uh, or you want to be inside, yeah. that just say to them, look, you know, while I'm here, I'll take some additional shots for, for you yeah. that you can use for your own purposes, free sure. charge, you know, just, just for saying, hey, thank you. Yeah, here's a load of shots yeah, that it. you can take, sure. and you can go and use these wherever you need to go and use them. Yeah, you can always barter, cool. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And now, why wouldn't they be thrilled with that? I would be. If I was just, you know, for argument's sake, coffee shop owner, yeah. hey, look, I'll do a load of photos for you while I'm here. You know, here you go. Yeah. We'll only be here a couple of hours. And you, and you never know. You know, sometimes um, just, you know, Showing them some some of your work might actually lead to another another gig, as it were. So oh, you never know. This is true as well. You know, this is true as well. Anyway, there you go. So uh, I mean, I, I could go on and on and on about that, but mm. there were some of the, the the key points from that. that yeah. yeah, I want to make sure I raise. Yeah, it's definitely a good tick list. Um, mm. Location scouting is it's one of these really tricky things. I think um, where what I found this an article I read some time ago was actually literally like couple of years ago or something about this guy who um shoots at different locations in new york new york city okay and what he does is he literally puts pins on his google map of lots of different locations so he basically goes out he finds a location he puts a pin in there and he writes a little description of the um of, of that particular location this might be like a backyard or like you know it might be like a an alley or it might be a street location or whatever. And so whenever clients come to him and say like, oh, you were thinking of this and then the other, he literally just needs to look on his map and needs to look look in his notes and he'll have a number of examples of locations that might potentially match. <laughs> and he takes like a quick still just to get an impression. And of course, you know, the way things work in the city, um, I had this actually not too long ago, I was looking for uh, a location for a drummer to do a particular type of kind of promotional um, shoot. And I had this perfect location in mind it's a disused um, former, um, was it like a Home Depot type of a store? Um, and it was uh, it shut down and uh, th there was a parking lot. And the parking lot started like, you know, it had like plants growing, like weeds growing in it, mm -hmm. you know. And it was derelict for quite some time. Easy access, no problem there. Um, and actually perfectly safe uh, shooting environment. And then... When I drove past to scout out the location just to make sure everything's cool, they they were already building on it. No way. So things like this start, you know, they they change over time. So um, it's worthwhile to just you know to just keep that kind of thing up to date. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I love the Google Maps idea. That's very cool. Yeah, very cool. What's oh, this tough idea? 
Yeah, it's, it's simple. So simple. It? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so simple. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really um, that's a good thing. And of course, with with Google Maps or something, or even Apple Maps, you can just drop a pin on it. If you're at a location, mm. just drop a pin. Or if you come across something, you know, and you you just actually you're just passing through, and you think, oh, actually, this might be cool. Mm. Mm. Take a quick photo, drop a pin, done. Love it. Love it. And it's, I mean, I think the, the more um, examples you have of different locations, you know, in your area, especially, the better. Win, right? Yeah. Can only be a win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I quite like, I quite like scouting our locations. Good fun. Hmm. Okay, we've almost come to the end of uh, this week's Camera Shake podcast. There's really one more thing to, one final thing to mention, and that's the uh, landscape photo stroke video competition that we've got going mm-hmm. on. Um, so you can submit your uh, best landscape shots to uh, to us um, either via Facebook at facebook.com forward slash camera shake podcast um, send us your image via messenger um, or you can email it to us at camera shake podcast at gmail.com and uh, the deadline for this month's competition is the 16th of August so you've got another three days uh, from today if you're watching this or if you're listening to this on Thursday uh, then you've got three more days to uh, to get that done um, and we'll be announcing the winner the following week, I guess. So what we're doing. We will indeed. Cool. So with that in mind, um, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And uh, remember, we've got our photo video chat happening every Thursday at 7.30 British Standard Time. Um, and uh, yeah, it'd be great to see some of you listeners um, and viewers there. So For without sure. further ado, see you next week. See you later.